welcome to the Psych and Business Podcast, where we highlight the integration of psychology and psychological principles into the world of business and organizations. I'm your host, Dr. Ernest Wade. I'm really very excited for you to meet my guest today. She's the president of True Orbit Consulting, where she helps leaders with anxiety and stress management, interpersonal effectiveness, and change management. Her name is Dr. Kate LaCastro. Dr. Kate LaCastro is a clinical and organizational psychologist who brings over 18 years of experience fostering transformation and growth for individuals, teams, and organizations. In her clinical training, she specializes in helping clients manage anxiety through cognitive behavioral techniques, which has influenced her approach to developing highly effective leaders and teams. Dr. LaCastro has spent the last 14 years dedicated to advancing organizational health leadership and team development, and change management. Kate is a dynamic and versatile leader who has provided coaching, consultation, and training in healthcare, pharmaceutical, and many other industries. Her clinical background and organizational expertise make her uniquely qualified to consult with organizations and individuals through a deep understanding of barriers and catalysts to behavioral change, healthy emotional regulation, and stress management strategies and a focus on organizational success through individual mastery. Kate is also a former colleague and a very good friend of mine. Dr. Kate LaCastro, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Dr. Ernest Wade. It's a pleasure to be here. I highly respect you and your work, and I'm delighted that we get to talk a bit about that today. Kate, I'm so glad to have you on the show. You are one of the, the, the favorite people that I know and also one of the smartest people that I know. So I know the audience is really in for a treat, but I always start off every episode by asking, how did you get into the world of business? Because you started off in, in the clinical world. I did. I started in the clinical world. I did my doctorate work in clinical psychology and thought ever, as long as I can remember that I wanted to be a traditional psychologist who mm-hmm. did therapy and that was my direction. And once I got into that, I just found it really throughout graduate school, but then also when I started doing therapy more full time, I just realized that my brain tended to to go to a systems perspective as opposed Mm. to more of the individual perspective. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you when it really hit me was I was doing some training in a community mental health center. And the model there is that I was working with some children, just a Mm -hmm. small percentage of my time. Uh, but it was individual therapy with children. And I found myself so frustrated and so emotional about it. And so when I thought more about it, I realized that the part that I was feeling so frustrated was about is that I had such a small sphere of influence if I was only working directly with a child, because their world is so heavily influenced by everything around them, their families, their parents, their schools, their teachers, anyone else in their life. And out being able to operate within that whole system, I just found that it was it was really hard for me and really frustrating that I couldn't do more. And so as I continued with that mindset and really stopped working with children after that experience, I realized that I felt similarly when I was working with adults as well in that <laughs> there are so many different contributing factors. And while I, I actually really do love and appreciate um, the intimacy of individual therapy, Mm-hmm. And always just feel so grateful that that people trust me in that type of space. I still felt like, gosh, there has got to be 
a better way to have a larger influence and make a bigger impact that influences many people. And interestingly, in the, you know, the span of the last 15 to 20 years, we actually do have a lot more research about how managers can be a lot more influential on someone's mental health than even their therapist can be. And so I just find that so fascinating that that's really where my head went you know, back when I started doing this work was I want to have a, a bigger impact. And I, I'm also just a kind of a, a very efficient person and a logical person. And I thought there has to be a better way. Yeah. And that made me think more about consultation work and maybe thinking about working with businesses. But in some in the way that the world sometimes does work out, it sort of feels like kismet now to think back on it. I, I was looking for opportunities and I happened to be in Cincinnati at the time after um, I had, you know, wrapped up my training and lo and behold, the VA's National Center for Organization Development is based in Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that is where I got really my feet wet and learned more about this type of work uh, and said to myself, as I tend to do, and we can talk more about why what you say to yourself matters. I said, look, if I don't like this, if this doesn't feel like a good fit, I'll do it for a couple of years and then I'll do something else. You know, no harm, no foul. And I just never stopped. I really, I really appreciate that story, Kate, especially the way that you describe how you tried working with children and found it very frustrating and then working with, with adults and also found it also very frustrating and thought, hey, there's got to be a better way, a systems way of doing this. Uh, which led you to NCOD, because that's where also where I got my training uh, in, in a lot of the work that we did in terms of consulting and coaching. Uh, but I, I know from working with you, Kate, that you are just such a great consultant and a great coach. And, and I know that all the leaders that you've worked with, at least when I've worked with you, always really appreciate your style and your approach. So can you tell us a little bit about some of the work that you've done in terms of coaching with individuals and with teams? Because I know you do that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, one thing that I'll really hone in on here, because I know uh, a big focus of what, what you're doing with your podcast is bringing to light this intersection of psychology and psychological principles and why that's so absolutely. useful in business. And so I'll, I'll share with you um, a really formative experience early on in my coaching journey where I was working with a really bright, talented, successful young woman who was in a high leadership uh, position of leadership, very ambitious, and as I mentioned, very bright. And I was sitting down with her, and she just kept struggling with some similar things. And it, it kind of happened again and again. We weren't making headway on some of them. And I just pulled out my notebook. I always have a notebook, even though most people don't do that anymore. <laughs> and I drew for her what would be called uh, in the psychology world, an ABC triangle. And it's essentially mm -hmm. helping you see that um, the things that happen to you, so events that occur, are connected to the way you think about them and the way you mm -hmm. interpret them. And that's connected to what would be a, called a consequence or mm -hmm. the, the way you act, the way you behave, and the way that you feel and how all of these things are really tightly connected. Mm -hmm. I could go on about that for a long time, but what I will say is she, this very bright, very successful woman essentially told me that her mind was blown. <laughs> and so I think about all of those really sensational article headlines that are trying to get you to click on them, right? Like this yeah. triangle will blow your mind. And I'm just not sensational in that way, so I, I wouldn't approach it 
But I will tell you, that was the first instance in which that happened. And to this day, it has not stopped happening as frequently or, or as recently as literally yesterday, where somebody told me, wow, you have changed my life with that. And it's it's concepts that are simple in concept, but mm-hmm. complicated in implementation. So I like to say they're simple, but not easy. Mm-hmm. And they're things that if you were to go see a therapist, it's really common that that's something that they would they would teach you. And they might start with is, what are the ways in which the way that we think about things, the way we interpret information um, influences the way we feel, it influences the way we behave, and then it influences the dynamic, right? It changes mm-hmm. the way that people respond to us as well. And so those types of, of awareness and understanding is the first step, just knowing that that happens. The second step then is, well, how do I integrate that with who I am in the culture in which I am operating so that I can be most successful. And and that is where um, I think I've had quite a bit of success as a coach. Yeah, I I love that story. I mean, that resonates with me a lot because I think one of the things that I appreciate also, you know, doing this work is just how things that we, you and I, Kate, and, and consultants and people who do this kind of work think are simple, you know, the connection between emotion and behavior and all of those things when we when we share this with with most people, most leaders, most most employees, it's it's mind blowing. Mm-hmm. It's 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 something that they had not thought of before. And, and I'm always thinking, this is so simple. Why don't people get it? You know. And so I, I really appreciate. Where? Yeah. It's like why are we not why are yeah. we not sharing this information freely? Right? This is such a big difference in the way that we operate in the world, and particularly at home with our with our families and friends and in our organizations, in our professional yeah. roles, in every setting in life. And that makes such a big difference. I mean, when you're talking about the work setting, when you approach people as, empl- as, as when you approach your employees, your colleagues, your bosses as people first and try to understand them as people first, that really makes a big difference. And I know that you do a lot of work with teams. Can you, can you share some examples from that as well? Oh, sure. That was actually a beautiful uh, segue, Ernest, because one of the things I've actually found to be most useful in doing team development and working with teams is Mm -hmm. again kind of sharing some of these psychological principles that we might take for granted um, and helping them see how that impacts their team dynamic. So Mm -hmm. it's happened multiple times, but, you know, one team in particular that I worked with, I was sharing information about a principle called the the fundamental attribution error. So if you're not familiar with this, this is the idea. And we all do this, right? These are just kind of human brain type things. And so no one needs to feel bad about it. We just need to know that we do it. Um, So this is the idea that I judge my behavior and I interpret my own behavior within the context or the situation. So if Mm -hmm. I'm walking down the street and I trip, I think, what got in my way? What tripped me, right? I'm thinking about the situation. Now, if what how we interpret other people's behavior is for some kind of personal characteristic. So if you saw me walking down the street and you saw me trip, you might think, gosh, that Kate, she is just super clumsy. Clumsy, yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We do this all the time. And if you're working with a team of people, and let's say somebody makes a mistake, if our first instinct is to say, gosh, Ernest really screwed this up, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't want to be competent, 
that's going to cause a lot of problems. So if we are more able to take a step back and look at the context, it's really about giving people the benefit of the doubt, particularly when it's deserved. Uh, we are much more able to be effective as teams. Yeah. And I recall, you know, with one particular team, they came back to me months later and said, look, we talk about this in almost all of our team meetings, and it's made a huge difference in terms of how we interact with one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that example. I love the, the the description that you gave there with the fundamental attribution error. I think we all do that in a lot of settings, but it can be so critical in the business setting, right? In the world of business where you 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 don't give people the grace that they need, that you would give yourself, you don't you don't extend that to other people. And so I really love that example. Kate, I know you also do a lot of coaching um and, and have worked a lot of change management. Can you give us some examples of some of the work that you've done in change management and how that's really helped organizations? Sure, absolutely. So uh, everything in change management from um, leading a team through change to Mm -hmm. training change practitioners and managers and leaders on how to best lead through change. Mm -hmm. Um, I've also been part of a change management team in which I was leading a, a team of communicators. So what are the ways in which we have to communicate with our stakeholders to Mm -hmm. ensure that they are ready, able, and willing to make a change? I will tell you, uh, with, with all the work I've done in change management over a number of years, uh, people might think like, oh, she's gonna, she's gotta be great at change. And I will tell you, it is still really hard. It is very hard. And I think that is the, the very first thing you have to accept is this is going to be a challenge. This is going to be complicated. Uh, but what I have learned and what I have learned from, from people that I've worked with is, uh, you know, we think about change management as the people in the process, right? Mm-hmm. So you might have the absolute best solution, but if the people aren't able and willing to do and use that solution, then we've pretty much wasted our time. And the reason that I think, again, going back to that coaching piece, and I really appreciate the intimacy of of a one-on-one setting, even, you know, when we are able to work with larger groups, is people's motivations and hesitancies are not all the same. And so you might be working with a team or you might be managing a team where everyone has a slightly different hesitancy or people might have very different barriers that are getting in the way. And so first and foremost, we have to recognize that organizational change means every single person needs to make that change with relative success. Mm -hmm. And I need to understand people in order to understand how to motivate them. How do we figure out, you know, why should I do this change? Why should I put in the effort? Even changes that are great and are going to have great benefits. Think about Mm -hmm. your personal life. It's really hard for us to make those changes. It's sustainable. And so if we, if we bring that out to an organization, um, it's something that, that needs deliberate attention. Mm -hmm. And that might be the two words I use most frequently in coaching is deliberate attention. If we can put deliberate attention to the change process, to uh, the current state and what's wrong with it, to mm-hmm. people's comfort level in terms of what they're currently doing versus what they have to continue doing in the future. Yeah. Uh, and we can figure out a way to help them through that, then we we can be really successful within our organizations. Yeah. And I think that that makes perfect sense, especially when you have to do that at the individual level, right? You have to do that with each person, because as you've said, different people have different motivations. So you got to figure out 
what works for this person and what works for that person and try to make sure that you're adjusting accordingly and appropriately to, to, to that environment. Yeah, uh, and, and speak. Sorry, if you're in a leadership position, I think the message for you is to really equip your people managers uh, to make sure that they understand what their mm-hmm. role is in that situation. Because if you're in a higher level leadership position, it's it's just simply not realistic for you to know what every single employee in your organization needs to be motivated. This is why mm-hmm. we have our people managers. This is why we have others to support us in that mission. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I really love that, that example. Okay. Let me ask you, you know, in terms of your psychological background and how that's helped you in this work that you've done, you said you started working off with kids and then with adults and found them also frustrating. So what did you pull from your psychological experience to help you in this work that you do? Yeah, I just find it so fascinating um, that, you know, we as psychologists have such extensive training and experience in behavioral sciences and human behavior. Um, And so I think often what helps me to be really successful in this space is using some of the skills we learn through our training, which are not just to be good listeners, right, but to connect information, to integrate data points and data mm-hmm. sources. And if you if you look again out there, you do a Google search, right? You, you'll find umpteen articles that tell you, you know, 10 ways to be a better leader and mm-hmm. ways to do this, do this well. And I think what, what often happens is people kind of have just enough information to be dangerous because these don't look the same on everyone. And so mm-hmm. having that extensive background in terms of how do we integrate that in a deliberate way that feels consistent with somebody authentically. So I can incorporate this information. I can think about what does it mean for me and what does it actually look like when I do it Mm -hmm. um, as a leader? And how is that going to interact with the culture and the dynamic of my organization and my team? And really being able to look at that web in a complex way that is much more, not impossible. Um, There might be people that are very, you know, minded in that way, but it's much more difficult to do without that deeper understanding of motivators and of barriers and of the human brain. And, you know, I use a lot of information from neuropsychology to help leaders understand why they might be reacting in a certain way. So Mm -hmm. all of that knowledge and experience has made me an exponentially more successful coach. Yeah, I love that example. And that mirrors some of the work that I do as well in terms of, you know, connecting people's behaviors, their emotions to the neuropsychological aspects of it, you know, really, really looking at it in a very holistic approach. Yeah. Kate, it's been such a, a pleasure having you on the show. I, I want to ask, how do people get a hold of you? Because I know you have your own business and, and you do such great work. How do people get a hold of you if, they, if they'd like to engage you? Sure. So I am certainly available on LinkedIn. You can connect with me and you can find me at my main uh, consulting website, which is trueorbitconsulting.com or Kate at Mm trueorbitconsulting.com. And that's for my general consulting work. If you're really interested and keen on this idea about, you know, how can I really hone in on some simple but not easy techniques for influencing the way that I'm thinking about things and responding to things to then, of course, cyclically influence everything else around me. Um, there's another website to look at, which is minuteformindset.com. And that will give you a little bit more information about some of those techniques and, and ways to, to get some more information as well. Great. 
Thank you so much, Kate. And then while I have you here, I always like to take advantage of the experts that we have on the show. And I like to ask, what advice or tip do you have for leaders, businesses, organizations out there? I will tell you, you said a word earlier, Ernest, and I am going to hone in on that. You said grace. And I had a a very recent coaching conversation where my coaching client um, said, you know what, Kate, last time we talked, there are two things you said, two words you said to me that have really hit home to me. And that was, I had, I had shared an observation with her that she was not giving herself any grace and she was mm-hmm. not giving herself any control. Mm-hmm. So she wasn't giving herself grace and that she just kept thinking she should be able to do all these things on her own by herself. And she, she was failing. And she wasn't giving herself any control because she was letting everyone else kind of dictate all of her attention, all of her time during the day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so my, I think given that you said that, it really sparked this, that this was very salient for her. It's that we are all human beings and there is a finite amount that we can do. And mm-hmm. so give yourself grace. And by doing that, it helps to give you more control. So as a quick example... I know this is meant to be like a 10 second sound clip, but I like to break the mold. So as a quick example, I know that I I have a million inputs coming into me all the time. And that if I don't either write something down physically on my notebook or tell my phone or my watch to remind me about it later, there's a decent chance I'm not going to remember it. So that's a tool (laughs) that I use because I have given myself the grace to say, I'm going to forget it. And that's okay. That's pretty Mm -hmm. normal. So what are the tools and strategies I need to use to set myself up for success? Mm -hmm. And so being able to do that allows us to say, okay, what do I need to do to set myself up for success? And therefore I'm giving myself some more control in these scenarios. I love that example, Kate. And I love the way that you ended that with saying, setting yourself up for success, right? Giving yourself grace is part of setting yourself up for success. Right. And acknowledging and accepting that, hey, we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. Here are some things that I need help with. I myself know that if it's not on my calendar, it doesn't exist. That's how that's how I operate. If it's not on my calendar, it doesn't exist. So whenever I there's an event or an activity that I need to do, I put it on my calendar and I've socialized that with everybody around me. If they want my attention or they want to make sure that I remember something, they have to put it on my calendar. Otherwise, yes. I can't be blamed if it doesn't if it doesn't happen. So I love that advice and I really appreciate that. Okay, thanks so much for coming on the show. Again, as with most of my most of the, the guests that I have, I know you have so many more sh- stories to share. So we're just going to have to have you come back and start, share some more stories with us. I love it. Thank you so much for the invitation. This was very fun. And I, I really appreciate the opportunity to share some of my thoughts. Pleasure to have you. And for everyone else, thanks for listening. We hope to hear you next time. Bye now. Thank you.